Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Welcome Stem Cells at Lunch Digested listeners. I'm Prudence, one of the PhD students in the Centre of Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine in KCL. In today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Christina Haas, a group leader in AMBO Barcelona. Welcome, Christina. Thank you very much for joining. Thanks a lot for having me. Yes. So to start off, could you mind telling our audience more about your background and also the focus of your research first? For sure. So actually, uh, it was rather nonlinear path to my position as a group leader. Um, I actually started in mechanical engineering at Carleton University in Ottawa, Canada. Um, but at that time, I became quite interested in biolog- biological applications. Um, so I did a master's degree also in the same uh, town, but a different university, University of Ottawa. Um, and at that time, I was actually in the field of orthopedics and biomechanics. Um, afterwards, I then was quite fortunate to be introduced to my PhD advisor, Dr. Andrew Pelling. And actually, he took me into his lab despite having uh, zero skills in a wet lab. Um, but there I was able to build some solid skills in cell culture, molecular biology, and microscopy. And I became quite interested in how mechanics play a role in affecting and directing cell behavior. And this is something I'm still interested in now, but uh, at the tissue scale. So Basically, following my PhD in biophysics, um, then I did a a long postdoc position uh, in the lab of Professor Roger Cam at MIT in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it was at MIT um, where I started um, investigating uh, vascular systems and and using tissue engineering to do so. So in the Cam lab, I was building on uh, previous work that was developed uh, to build new vascular models to explore specifically placental fetal vessels, vascularized tumors, and explore the complex effect of mechanical cues such as flow on their remodeling behavior. And so then I finally moved to Emble Barcelona, um, which is quite aligned with my interest because we have five group leaders here all working in areas of tissue biology and disease modeling. So this is how I ended up here in Barcelona and And now my group is quite uh, focused on developing these new vascular models to study disease. Wow, that's quite a journey. That's really (laughs) cool. Yeah, jumping different fields. Actually, how do you find it? Like, how do you find it to go to different places from Canada to US to Spain? And how do you find the science in different country like? And also, how is this affect how you do your research? I mean, I think it's actually quite interesting. Well, first, from an interdisciplinary perspective, I think having people from different backgrounds and uh, researching different types of avenues is is quite novel and and leads to usually uh, interesting questions or ways of doing things. Um, And moving around also certainly helps because you have a broader picture of how people do science. And of course, there are some challenges because you get used to doing things a certain way. Um, but I think that this makes us stronger as scientists in the end, and it can be quite fruitful. You can build larger networks uh, to research with and collaborate with. Wonderful. That's amazing. So what is vasculature that's make you so interested in? Because uh, from your talk, it's actually a really amazing model to see how different tissue 
cell type are actually working together and form vasculature. And especially, I'm actually from an immunology background. My PhD is on immunology. So when you say you can perfuse neutrophil in there, I was like, wow, <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So what made you interested in this field? I mean, it was a little bit of happenstance that uh, I ended up in Roger Kahn's lab and was working on vasculature. But I, I honestly just found the self... Uh, self-assembly properties of the endothelial cells, the fact that they can form these networks given the right nutrients uh, and the right conditions, that they can do this on their own to me was really fascinating. Um, so, I mean, tissue engineering anyways is an exploding field. Um, and they're just combining different kinds of engineering technologies to build these different tissue systems, which are completely pervaded by these small capillaries, I think, we have a big advantage that, that we can do these on chip, essentially. But um, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Like, so what you're doing is basically providing them the scaffold and so that the vasculature can be formed and basically supplement them with fibroblasts and other um, cell types so that they can form the vasculature, which normally in normal 3D organoid culture you can't, right? Yes. So essentially, when we seed them into our chips, actually, there is no structure. So they are relatively homogeneously distributed in a gel, and they actually fuse together to form these sort of primary vessel-like structures. And given the right conditions, as I was talking about, um, they do then form these open lumen. Um, but yes, it's it's a little bit of magic, I guess, but a, a lot of optimization to get them to do so. Yeah, definitely. Like, because normal organoid can't grow bigger, mainly because of the lack of vasculature or mainly nutrition to become bigger. Exactly. So the idea that you guys can actually create vasculature is, is amazing and yes. it's really magical. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a hot topic in the field to try to vascularize larger organoids, which is the, the major limitation right now. Uh, but of course, they rely on diffusion of nutrients. Uh, so if we can vascularize a bunch of different organoids, that would be the ultimate dream of, of our lab. So on that line of thoughts, what do you think the biggest challenge of your field really is? Is it the technology development, finding the right combination of different nutrition, or you think it's something else? So there are a few factors that you really have to consider, I think, when developing these models. Um, one of them in particular is, um, you know, we're generating these millimeter scale devices. So our chips really require several hundred thousand cells per device. So this not only requires time and expensive media culture to achieve sufficient numbers of cells. So that's sort of one area that we need to consider. The second is cell source. So, I mean, we're trying to build tissue-specific vessels. Uh, so we often have to think at the beginning of the project, which are the most appropriate cells to include in this uh, model system. Um, and then also, of course, as I mentioned in the talk, we have to really adapt uh, standard biological assays uh, for 3D culture, um, which is quite challenging sometimes because we have to digest our cells from the gels before performing assays. And then uh, lastly, but very importantly, I think uh, not only is quantification more difficult in 3D, 
but validating our findings can be quite challenging because often, well, we're trying to make these systems to study human pathologies. Um, so looking at animal studies or comparing to human samples from the clinic or biobanks can only give us some clue as to whether uh, we're really recapitulating disease. But do you think it would be still a very distant dream to actually implant all your in vitro vasculature into an in vivo model, for example? Because that would validate exactly how the vasculature structure and whether it's actually functioning exactly how you imagine in vivo condition to be. Mm -hmm. But so... I guess it's tricky. It's very <laughs> yes. tricky to get it out of the gel, I, I would assume. Yes, actually, we've done some very rudimentary prelimi preliminary experiments in immunodeficient mice. Um, and other people have also shown that you can essentially take in vitro vasculature implanted in mice and they do uh, sort of connect to the existing vasculature. So that has been done. Um, but I guess more from the standpoint of confirming whether uh, it's exactly uh, as it would be in a human is, is still quite challenging, even if even if you can get it into an animal model. I see. Interesting. So for some advice, we we'll, each session we like to ask um, each um, each guest to tell us um, more, give us us as the PhD student or postdoc some advice. So for students or postdocs who are very interested in going into vasculature biology and also like understanding how to do in vitro vasculature culture um, what kind of advice would you give them like any kind of major challenge or major thing you should previously consider like going <laughs> to different fields first before you come back to this vasculature biology um i mean i think that that in itself is quite quite uh, helpful to a degree, but I think mostly it's important to have a clear biological question that you're aiming to address so that you can really develop an appropriate model. Um, and this allows you to early on develop sort of the pros and cons of the 3D system. So for example, um, you could really explore a variety of engineering techniques um, and make interdisciplinary connections for the work. Uh, I think really involving computational experts, for example, who could possibly contribute to predictive aspects of your model, or with clinicians who could contribute to understanding the complex aspects of the disease. Uh, I think that doing so is quite important. Um, so making fabulous networks along, along your career path can be really helpful. That, that's explained why you jump different countries. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so what do you enjoy most about science? What keeps you still going to do so many years of science? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I mean, essentially, you know, you're always after those really exciting experiments. I mean, particularly in the field of these in vitro models, they're quite complex. And we have, I would say, many, many failures before you get to the success but I find that the successful experiments are just so rewarding. And these vessel systems are so beautiful. So when you image them in 3D, um, that's really what keeps me going. I really think uh, having been introduced to the confocal microscope many years ago in my PhD was uh, one of the best things that ever happened to me um, because it allows you to see so many 
like a different world, let's say. Absolutely. It's it's amazing. I have to keep coming back to your perfusion of Nutrafu. <laughs> that image in my head is like, oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> like, I would like to track how they leave the vasculature as well. Like if they actually do how you see in the in vivo, I would be. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, come on, everyone... come on over for a visit. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it will be fun. So I guess we can round up now. Um, last question. As always, we will ask our guests um, what kind of hobby you have other than doing science and how that kind of affects your science. Sure. Um, well, when I'm not on my computer, I'm often uh, found playing with the laser cutter in our lab, so designing. Ooh. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. We have a couple of new toys that we're playing with currently. Um, so that's, that's kind of fun because you can just test them to their limits and design uh, new things that could be useful in the lab or useful outside of the lab as well. Um, but besides that, um, I'd say that probably I enjoy cooking a lot. Um, and particularly since I've moved here and there are so many different food varieties I didn't have access to back at home in Canada. Um, and so for that reason, I think it's quite experimental in itself and, uh, you know, creative. So I think that if you're creative, uh, sort of outside of the lab, probably it leads to more creativity in the lab as well. I, I love cooking as well. And I think cooking is actually very similar to experiments. Exactly. <laughs> like the right ingredient, the right procedure at the right time. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Totally. Amazing. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's um, really nice to chat with you. Yeah, you as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. See you then. Have a Bye. nice day. See ya. Bye.